so we're not quite doing all the things today, but we have taken a new member, had someone uh, come to the table for the first time, going to elect a pastor. I think uh, the Lloyds are going to get a baptism uh, squeezed in here pretty quick. Just probably need to excommunicate somebody soon enough. Hopefully that won't happen. That's, that's pretty rare and dramatic. We are, this summer, spring, the rest of the year, summer, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. You've maybe heard them if you grew up in church. They're in Galatians 5. But we're trying to get around it a little bit. Uh, so we think broader or more broadly about those specific fruit. I was thinking how to explain this. Maybe it would be like a jello salad, a fruit salad jello. We used to eat a lot of that. I don't think that's quite as much thing anymore. I don't see them as often. When I was in college, I maybe mentioned this to somebody um, in the, you know, 89 to 92, I had the 21 a week meal plan. That's a lot. And I'm pretty sure I got almost all of them in. Um, it was the old, old way where you just had like two choices and then it was a, you could get one thing from whatever. And I remember every day I had milk, every meal I had milk, and every day I had jello. So my two things, my staples, go-tos. Healthy, healthy living. Um, so I love jello. Fruit salad isn't quite as, uh, as much. And, but, but that's what I'm trying to get is the fruit in the thing, the, the, the thing around the specifics. What we're talking about when we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit is how we, how we reflect Christ to each other and to the, to the world. We're, we gather together on the Lord's Day to, to remember what's happened in our lives this week. And to remember that we're not alone, and to remember what Jesus has done for us. And then we reflect that faith and knowledge to each other in the world by serving and worshiping and giving and forgiving, listening, honoring. And the fruit of the Spirit is is how, how we do that. Love, joy, peace, patience goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit flow out of who we are. And the Bible tells us if we're Christians, we're united to Christ. Amen? So all of us have a history, our own personal history, right? Who our parents are our name, our birthday. Although you know that some people don't know those things. Not everyone knows who their parents are. Not everyone knows when their birthday is. And that can be be troubling. When you realize as you're growing up, you've been assigned a birthday. Or these parents... Adopted me, or, or maybe didn't, abandoned me. There, there are a lot of things, and that can be very troubling to you. But some of us have more normal stories, you know. When someone says Doug Servan, 
I assume they're talking about me. Now, you can Google other ones. I want to meet them, get them all in one place, right? Duke it out. But, but when you hear that, or when I hear myself, I have an idea of who we're talking about. Maybe a year-ish ago, this was probably a COVID project, I decided to, to make our own servant family crest. We didn't have one, and so I worked on, on it, and, and then I put down key words or, or attributes that I thought described us, and I had some of them made and gave them to my, to my sister and my mom and, and my kids, and that comes rooted out of this story where sometime these Europeans came over and they somehow made it into Michigan, and, and then my parents met together on this lake, and then my dad asked her to marry him, and, and they got married, and, and I was born in Detroit, and then we moved down to, and so, you know, like, this goes on. That story roots me, and it connects me with who I am and, and with others, like my cousins. And then my kids now have a, a story of when I met Julie in college, and and they all were born, and then they grew up in Oklahoma as pastor's kids. And so they tell that story and root themselves in that, for good or bad. And so then we have a nature. What we talk about, and what we love, and what we care about, or how we talk. Or sort of what food we like, or music we listen to. I've got a friend, his name's Wayland. He has been a police officer for maybe 35 years. He's a member of the Black Baptist Church that we partnered with. And um, his story is different. His people, as far back as he can go, came from Oklahoma. But if you're a black person that came to Oklahoma before about 1900 or 1907 when it became a state, you came as the slave of Native Americans. Although that was outlawed in the United States, the tribes were sovereign nations, and so they could have different rules. And this was a massive conflict. And when they were displaced and brought into Oklahoma, they brought slaves. So, so Waylon has a a different story. He, he obviously looks different. His heritage is different. And there are some of us whose identities have been stripped or redefined. There's others of us who, it's not like that. But there's still trauma and discovery. Who, who am I? Who are my people? And so what I'm saying is, in all of that mix, the fruit of the Spirit comes out of who you are. It's not just what you do. Apple trees make apples. Pear trees make pears. Ghost pepper plants make ghost peppers. So Paul looks at that. He wants us to look deeply into who we are. Look at Proverbs uh, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Is who we are under grace? If you've grown up in Christianity or been around Christians a lot, 
it's easy to do to think that Christianity is all about rules. What you do and what you don't do, a list of duels and don'ts. Uh, I came to Christ in college and uh, through this ministry, uh, Jason was in the same one. I don't know if it's the navigators, I, I think very highly of them. It's not their fault that I thought this. But there was a lot of stuff you were taught to do. Have a quiet time every day. Memorize two verses a week. Share the gospel once a week. We had a saying that was, uh, if you're a navigator, you're a never-dater. But if you date her, date a crusader. <laughs> I don't even know that. I, I thought that was what's true. There were rules about what you could wear and what you could talk and how, where you went and all this stuff, right? And I just sort of ingested that. They also talked about grace and Jesus for sure, but, but I took the rules part. I was going to make Dawson Trotman proud of me. We, we often are trying to obey God's law and pay him back, right? There's this exchange to prove ourselves of worth to God. That's not grace, is it? Christianity isn't a law to keep, but it's a gift to receive. So that means first one in our passage is the reverse of that. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So that's the opposite question. It's not how many laws do I got to fill. It's like, why have any laws? If this is all grace, then it doesn't matter. If, if I get more grace when I sin, let's sin more. And then I get more of it. And Paul's saying, you don't understand. If that's your question, you don't understand either. It's both. You don't understand if you live by the law. You don't understand if you reject every single thing that it means to love God and to follow Him. And so Paul then says, who are you? For if we have been united with Him in death like His we will certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. There are nine times in this passage that Paul says, you are united to Christ. You are united in Christ. He says, you have died to sin and you are dead to sin. And so in other words, sin does not define you anymore. Sin is present Paul is very real about this, but it doesn't define us. Neither does your righteousness define you. And we've got to remember that when we come over to the fruit of the Spirit. That's not what defines us either. And so we get defined by so many things. Our height, our weight. You know, I just got a new Maryland license. It's all on there. Blue eyes. Blonde hair, you know. Our stats. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about applying to this Under Armour job. It's like community development leader, which is what I think what I would get to do is go to a lot of parties and events and give away money. <laughs> Perfect. 
But that means I got to like, you know, are they going to hire a pastor of 20 years? So I'm like trying to go through what I've, all I've done and like put it in corporate speak. Uh, you know, data management. <laughs> Event planning. It's sort of true, but it's weird. And so I have all these things listed. Uh, you know, a mission trip is like, mobilizing students to learn about the world from other cultures. That's true. I'm not lying. But I, I have this list, and I'm like, is this me? It doesn't say anything about being married or having kids, what I care about. It's what I've done. Can you relate to that? As we move up the social ladder, as we work, maybe we define ourselves or get defined by our popularity or our sexuality or our marital status or or, or politics or our mistakes. And these are all part of who we are, definitely. I'm not saying unity of Christ doesn't strip out any other thing. We still approach this world with different skin colors and genders, and it's just not the same. Birth orders matter, right? I've got a friend, Robin. She was adopted from Korea by these two white parents. She's one of the ones that doesn't know her birthday. She got assigned January 1st. She has no idea. And this has been a thing, right? But she hasn't really worried too much about it. She ended up uh, never getting married in her 30s, beautiful, delightful woman, and and she met a guy named Rob, who was also a pastor. He was church planning in Seattle. He writes about this in his book, so I'm not just telling his story. It's called Through the Valley, uh, Psalm 23, and and his wife left him while he was church planning. He sort of limps back to his hometown. It's actually the same church where Tim Keller used to preach at, so he was like not appreciated. Uh, but, But he met Robin, who didn't ever think she was going to marry. Certainly didn't think she was going to marry a pastor. And now they have these two delightful daughters, Miriam and Naomi. I've gotten to meet them, and I love them to death. And they know who they are. So, so, I mean, some of it's what's happened to us, and some of it's our own choices. The place we grew up in the denomination we find ourselves in, the politics that we're around. But Paul is saying fundamentally, not exclusively, but fundamentally, when you dig down and you get to the bottom, it's union in Christ. That's the bottom line. And we are united to Christ by faith. Amen. Not by works. Not by the law. We still sin. Being united with Christ doesn't mean you stop sinning. You sin by what you do and what you don't do. Sin is a power that rejects God. Sin uh, desires autonomy. It says this, this is my way. My way is right. So we live for ourselves and we define ourselves that way. Sin is evolutionary in a sense that it says the strong survive and the weak gets eaten. 
Sin is a perversion of what's good. It's a parasite latching on and sucking the life out of it. Or sin is like a, a vampire sucking it out to kill the very thing. Paul has other analogies even in this passage, right? In this passage, he says sin the world is like what we walk in or the air we breathe or the water we swim in. It's an ecosystem. Uh, he says in verses 6 and 7 that it's like a slave-master relationship where, where it directs you and owns you and uses you. In, in verses 9 and 10 and 12, he says it's like this king-kingdom thing. It's a realm, but it's, it's more like an evil realm. I could think of Lord of the Rings, like with orcs and ogres and stuff. And they're mining In verse 13, he says, you know, this is like uh, their tools or instruments or, or weapons. It's like dropping napalm, firebombing a city. To go back to our original analogy, it's sort of like putting fruit in a mold and filling it with blood pudding. People like blood pudding. I know that, right? Uh, I spent some time in Sweden church, helping with this church plant in 99. And we, it was mostly Americans, but I had this one occasion where we went to Norway and we stayed with this Norwegian family. And she was so gracious to us. And she, she set us out this cereal and she poured our milk in it. And I took one bite. And it's sour milk. It's called feel milk. And that's what they eat there. They, they eat this sour milk. It's, it's soupy a little bit like a sour yogurt, but a milk. And I was like, dude, you got to eat this. She doesn't know how disgusting this is. It's already poured. You can't take it out of the bowl, man. It's so good. But see, if you grow up in that, you don't know. Maybe I, it's the opposite, okay? Maybe I don't know. After the worst of COVID, we had an October storm in Oklahoma City, and it had just rained, and it wasn't cold. The, the trees hadn't lost their leaves. And so it rained, and then the temperature dropped, and the, the water on the leaves froze, and so the trees started snapping all around. It was wild. And that meant all the power in the whole city went out almost. City Press was like in this little oasis because we, we were in this sort of older neighborhood with big, huge, massive trees. And it looked like, like the Revolutionary War, like they had just st stacked to, to bombard people or not allow people to come, barricades, right? And so we allowed some of the, the people that were especially displaced, they weren't homeless, some of them were, but they didn't have electricity and they didn't have any means to get it. And they weren't getting their utilities turned on first. They were sort of left, right? And so we could say, you can come over. We, had, we let them be in our building for two weeks, which was something. Um, but, but we had people helping them that weren't from City Press, too. We joined together, and we have policies that we didn't allow kids in the building unless we knew who was in the building, and they went through our training to understand what sexual abuse looked like. 
And so we had this whole process, but I stripped that all down into 15 questions, and I asked them to put their social security number on there and sign this and agree to it. And the first one was, sin is real, and this world is not the way it's supposed to be. I had so many people say, I can't sign that document. I don't agree with point one. I thought that was pretty basic. Not everyone agrees that that's what sin is. The Bible teaches us the world doesn't. There's this deep darkness in our world. There are big instances, right? Famine, war, policies with their little tiny spots too. Lusts, greeds, lies, power. There's sin in in communism and there's sin in democracy and socialism and capitalism. There's sin in one political party and there's sin in another political party. And, And this ecosystem demands loyalty. And so in the midst of all that, Paul writes to us, Christian, remember who you are. While all that is still true, remember who you are. At least in the last couple weeks, I told you about the fire in time, David Ramirez. He says, when I've lost my way, you remind me. Even though I'm not whole, I'm not empty. One thing I didn't tell you is, I think, I don't remember, I get lost. Um, I know lots of friends, and they've done lots of things, and some of them have worse days of their lives. They range around. Sometimes it's excommunicated or deposed from office. Sometimes it's got found out cheating on a spouse or arrested. Um, And I put those in my phone. X person's worst day. That may sound strange, right? But when that day comes around the calendar, I send them that song. I said, you know that worst day? That's not who you are. It's not fundamentally who you are. When we get lost in this ecosystem, we need reminder of this. And maybe you are tracking with me. Maybe you can think of your worst day. Now, we all have one. It just depends on how bad it is. If it hits our radar, we've all had a worst day somewhere. Some of those worst days are really bad. Some of them, i got to tell you, they're going to get worse. I hate to break it to you. They're not done. I hope someone has that on their phone for you so they can remind you that's not all of who you are. That they can remind you, like Paul does to us, you are united to Christ. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law, but you are under grace. That's why verse 1 doesn't make sense anymore. When you love something, you don't say, I don't care about you. It's crazy. Now, certainly it can be confusing, right? Identities can be all over the place. 
Sometimes we try on new ones. Change our hair, change our clothes. Go in a phase or fad, you know, like black coffee only. Or diets. I have a friend who, when he was in high school, he only wore blue jeans and a white t-shirt. That was it. Very simplified his decision-making on his clothes, right? But he was that guy. He also talked in a fake Mexican accent that he didn't have. So our identities can be confusing, and these things and these stories and the experience are real important, but they're not foundational. What I feel about myself is true and makes sense, but it's not fundamentally all of who I am. Who am I? Set free, loved, baptized into Christ, raised with Him, As he was loved, we are loved. Simon and I talked about this today. It's not just that he died for you, which he did. He lived for you. So, so he gets all that identity that, that we mess up and confuse. The, the things, but also the confusion he gets put on him. He's very clear about who he is. And we get that from him. Amen? All that Jesus has is yours. His life, His death, His resurrection. That's why our baptism matters. Paul's calling us to remind, remember, you were baptized. Jesus was baptized. You were baptized. We are connected into the family of God. So we present ourselves not to sin, not, not to sin. A lot of times we think church is an intellectual social club, discuss ideas, which we do. Or we think it's a service society dedicated to the common good, which it is. Sometimes we think a church is a safe haven from a brutal world so we can bunker down together and be together. Sometimes we think we just need a little bit of Christianity, like stick Jesus right in our back pocket, pull him out whenever we need him. Paul's saying that's actually an inoculation, and you're not safe if you think that. Christianity is not being fine. It's a whole new deal. A whole new deal. Dying to what you were before. Living for a completely new loyalty. I went to Mizzou. I loved, I loved going to Mizzou. Um... Then when I moved to OU, I was like, well, I hate the Boomer Sooner song with a passion. I've heard it so many times. We've just gotten killed and cremated. When Oklahoma scores, they'd play it every time. Well, one game I was there, and they scored 88 points. I heard that stupid song so much, and I'm moving to that place. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get stuff, take off my stickers, and... I remember when I got there, I called. I was trying to meet everybody, and I, I went in and tried to meet Bob Stoops, the, the coach. I don't know if, how football where we are, who had just won the national championship, and he wasn't in, but he called me back. 
I saved this message on my phone for years, right? Do not delete the messages on the phone. Call me back. So I called him back, and I told him who I was and why I was in town, and I was from Mizzou, and he said, well, you're not going to bring that bad football over here, are you? And I was just so shocked, and I was even talking to the man. I said, no, sir, I'm not going to. And what happened was it was pretty cool to root for a team that won sometimes. <laughs> and what I saw happening was I started to say, we have a great team. We? What's the we part of OU? Or we suffered a really bad loss. See, I was identifying with something else. I was in that thing now. And I cared about it. When you're in things like that, it affects your money. It affects your clothes. It affects your time. It affects where you go. It affects what you talk about. That's the way union works. Paul's saying, yeah, okay, haircuts, jeans and white t-shirt, Oklahoma football, USA, the Olympics, you know. He says, you know, you might settle in sometimes as you're the funny guy or the smart girl, the hard worker, the, the sporty skater dude, the religious person, the devoted person. And so we curate our lives that way. It's natural. It's natural. But this is supernatural. Union with Christ is not something you can get or deserve. You get unified with Jesus. That becomes foundational and motivational. And the good news is he even takes super confused people. Even think of Paul. Remember Paul's previous persona, identity? Hated Christians. Helped kill them. He meets Jesus on the road, boosh, 180 degrees. What Jesus did for you, you get. What you did, he gets. Friends, that's good news for us today, right? If you are unified with Christ, then I want you to remember that this week, today, because it's a big deal. Amen? Amen. We